Wings for the game. Boom. Cash back. New lucky jersey. Boom. Cash back. Even a last-minute ice run can score you some cash back when you use your debit card. And yes, we said debit card. With Discover Cashback Debit, everyone can earn cash back on everyday purchases. Look, in sports, it's hard to predict who's taking the W, but you know what's guaranteed to win? Discover Cashback Debit. Oh, and did I mention there are no fees? Period. I'm telling you, this one is a game changer. Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. This is The Athletic Hockey Show. Welcome to your Wednesday edition of the Athletic Hockey Show. It's Ian Mendes, Julian McKenzie with you. And if you're watching us live on YouTube, you might think, wait, where's Ian? That doesn't look like his little bookshelf that he has in his home office. Uh, Folks, I am coming at you live from the Canadian Tire Center, where the Ottawa Senators have a major news conference scheduled for about 45 minutes from now. So we're going to have an in live in podcast trade happening here mendez out well mckenzie stay julian you stay for the whole show mendez out down goes brown in and then i think shana goldman's gonna join you because i gotta i gotta zip down the hallway here something never, who says ottawa is a dull boring town julian that's our reputation it, it's fun it's exciting isn't it I just, I just, all I just have to say is I was really looking forward to the Ottawa Senators era where they were just going to be this fun, exciting product on the ice. They'd make the playoffs and we'd have all these great stories about Thomas Shabbat doing well and Brady Kachuk playing well. And, you know, if everyone was getting mad about the Jake Sanderson contract in the offseason and he'd prove everyone wrong, all the haters at least. And now it's Wednesday, November 1st, and it just feels like what can go wrong will go wrong like the the Shane Pinto stuff was bad enough Uh, and now we see the news today uh, of the Ottawa Senators losing their first round pick over the next few years now this press conference is coming in the next little while like this last week if to be an Ottawa Senators fan is exhausting it's no it's not exhausting it's just we're in a time machine back to 2018 when it was nonstop weird stories. Remember, it was like Uber stories and Carlson oh, yes. and Hoffman, and you know, it was it was nonstop. But but I'll say this: so uh, as as we're recording this, for the people that end up listening to just the podcast version of this, we're about forty minutes, whatever, out from a press conference in Ottawa. If you're asking me to guess here, hey Ian, give us a best guess because it was a vague press release announcing a news conference, basically a major news conference is coming in Ottawa. My guess on this is that Pierre Dorian is going to be out as general manager. And, and the reason why I say that is I, I think 
you know, you got a new ownership group in and Mike Ann Lauer and Steve Steos. And when you come in, you know, I think they came in with, okay, we got a fresh set of eyes. Let's see how this plays out. And I don't think they were overly enamored with the fact that they were capped out. Like take the Pinto gambling story out of the equation for a second. I don't think they were happy that they were at the salary cap ceiling and didn't have Pinto signed. So you kind of felt like, oh, okay, that's uh, one strike against you. Now, if you were the general manager and your team has been stripped of a first round pick directly due to your actions or inactions or whatever happened, I think it's two strikes and you're out. That's my guess. So I think at, at, at 315, they're going to announce that we've got a, a significant change in, in leadership that now, now, now the question becomes, and I'd have to get, and I've tr you know, tried to, to, to reach out to lawyers on this to see, like, could you fire it? Like, is this, is this termination with cause? Like, meaning, wow, this guy actually, like, one lawyer explained it to me, Julian, and said, okay. like, I think you can make an argument that he, that there's been material damage done to your franchise. Like, you lose a first round pick, like, that's worth two million, three million real dollars or whatever, whatever it is. The actions of the person in charge caused your team to lose that. And if I'm Michael Anlau, I'm livid. I'm like, I roll into town, Julian, on September 22nd as the new owner, and I'm guessing, maybe we'll get the answer to this soon, I'm guessing he didn't know that he was um, part of this here. Uh, you know, uh, I, I'm, I'm guessing he didn't know that this was, like, he's on the hook for this, you know? So, to me, I, like I said, I, I am fully expecting that he will be removed as the general manager. And actually, well, now let's, listen, my, my, let's go ahead and, and, and listen, I, I, I can go ahead and confirm these like Elliot Friedman, Frank Cervelli have this out there. I yep. can tell you this with unequivocally Pierre Dorian will be out as general manager. I, I was, I was kind of just trying to not play it down the middle here, but I was, you know, those 99 anyway, that's going to happen here. So my afternoon is going to be quite full uh, as, as, as Pierre Dorian is, is going to be out as general manager. And, you know, Elliot Friedman, Frank Saravelli, the first to put that out in the in the public realm. All I have to say is, first off, wow. Uh, yes, your <laughs> day is going to be packed. But just yeah. the fact that the Ottawa Senators start to this season has been as controversial as it has been. It, it's making my head spin and I have nothing to do with that market. But what I will say about Pierre Dorian is this. I, I'm not surprised it's come to this point. I think entering this season, his seat was very hot to begin with. I think the Ottawa Senators, it was important for them to get out to a great start and to put themselves in a position where they'd be in a in a playoff position. But the fact that uh, this situation surfaced with the Evgeny Dadnoff yeah. trade, where for, for a refresher for those not in the know, and, and you can fill in blanks if you can here, but the Senators get rid of Dadnoff. He goes to Vegas. Vegas tries to offload him to Anaheim. Uh, 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 details of a, of a no-trade clause. Uh, we're not necessarily known to Vegas, and then eventually this Bingo. trade be between Dadnoff and 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 the Anaheim Ducks is scrapped. And at that time, we thought Vegas was the team in the wrong here. They had already had this reputation of of the way they had handled guys coming and going from their organization, so they were drawing a lot of criticism. And then in recent days, we hear about new information that suggests that the Ottawa Senators may have been withholding information uh, that essentially made it so that it was their fault that they didn't tell the Vegas Golden Knights about what was happening here. That's negligent. And 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 and, and the fact that it's gotten to this point, you, you you're right to bring up the Michael and Lauer perspective in all of this because you're entering this organization 
I'm 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 not sure that Ann Lauer knew that the senators were truly at fault at that. And then you have to deal with this. Already, you were looking at so, Orion uh, on the hot seat here. This gives you the right to, to to relieve him of his duties, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, and and, and again, we're going to get some answers on that uh, uh, shortly. Here, here's something I, I I think is interesting too. Is mm-hmm. New Jer- remember the New Jersey Devils in 2010? Signed Ilya Kovalchuk to a 17-year contract, 17 years, which was clearly capsule convention. The league investigated and said, New Jersey, you're being fined a first-round pick, a third-round pick, and $3 million in cash. You have to give up a first-round pick at some point in the next four years. Well, what happened in that four-year window? Um, They had new ownership. Uh, Josh Harris and Dave Blitzer came in, took over the Devils. And in 2013, when they took over the Devils, they were like, hey, we inherited this mess. Like, this isn't us. They were able to negotiate that down to, they didn't lose the first round pick. They had to move to the bottom of the queue. If you remember this, they had, they picked, had to pick 30th. They had the fine drop from $3 million to a million and a half. I'm only saying, it's unclear to me if Mike Andlauer has the ability to appeal here, but I'm going to say he's going to exhaust every avenue to say that this wasn't my fault I terminated the person responsible for it. And um, I, I I think, you know, for me, that's what I'm interested in. D- d- does the league follow through on this and take the first rounder away from Ottawa? Or is Ottawa able to negotiate this down? Well, that's a we'll good... That, well, I, I think the fact that you bring up the New Jersey Devils and what they went through, that's something that the league's going to have to consider here. And that's something that works as precedent if you're Michael Ann Lauer in the Ottawa Senators organization. Um yeah, that's that's how I would see it because giving up a first round pick over the next three years, uh, my understanding is is that uh, they essentially have to announce, I think, within 24 hours of the draft lottery that year if they're going to keep their pick or if they're going to offload it. Um, yeah, I, I think if you're the Ottawa Senators, I can understand why off of precedence, why you'd want to argue this down. At the same time, I, I think this punishment is fitting of of this issue here. Uh, in, in this particular situation, I'll also say that I'm sure there are a lot of people who are looking at this situation and wondering, well, why is it that this situation is is merited of a first round pick being gone, whereas Chicago Blackhawks and everything that they went through at Kyle Beach doesn't merit anything like that? I think the biggest thing with that people should know it's that the Sens were in clear violation of league rules in this situation, but that's not going to stop people from kind of comparing those two situations. I, I I think it's disingenuous to do that. I think it, it it's not right to the Kyle Beach situation, and I, and I agree with you. It's um, mind it's you, I'm not saying that I want to compare it to that. I'm saying no, that no, there are no, 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 no. I I know I and exactly. are already and, doing it. And yeah, and I think what what's what's important too is if you look at everything in the NHL through the lens of well, they didn't suspend or fine or whatever Chicago for Kyle Beach, then you're going to just be disappointed in everything. Like like yes. we, we should absolutely hold them to a higher standard on the beach thing. But I don't like, I think it's a better comparison to compare what Ottawa is going through now with Dorian to what Arizona, what happened in Arizona and John Shaka and, yes. you know, and, and the draft combine stuff to Kovalchuk and the circumvention. To me, I think that's a little bit more apples to apples. Um, I understand the frustration. If I'm an Ottawa fan, I feel like, are you kidding me? Like this, this deal that happened 18 months ago and you still like, Let's be honest here. If you're Ottawa, you're an Ottawa fan. You're like, okay, so Vegas, you didn't get what you wanted. Um, like you didn't get what you wanted in 2020, uh, 2022. It blew up in your face. Okay, we get that. 
but you got a Stanley Cup since. And you got Mark Stone from us at, at some point, too. Like, what else do you want from us, right? Like, okay, you're wait a minute. Like, hold guy, on, hold on. My, 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 my counterpoint to that is, going back to what I brought up earlier, when, it, when that whole thing happened, that was in the middle of when we were looking at Vegas and the way that they were handling players like Marc-Andre Fleury and remember the Alan Walsh photo, there was... There was a. I'm not going to say use the word slander, but the reputation was taking a hit at that point. That was like the latest in a string of things that happened with that organization, right? Like I, I think if you're the Vegas Golden Knights, you have every right to be angry about how you were perceived in that moment. And yeah, you ended up getting a Stanley Cup at the end of it. And funny enough, Evgeny Dadanov is in Dallas now. He has nothing to do with the Ottawa Senators or the Vegas Golden Knights or even the Anaheim Ducks in this situation. But I also think while fine Ottawa Senators fans could be upset about this. I think if you're a Vegas, if you're a member of the Vegas Golden Knights organization, you have every right to complain about this, considering what reputation uh, and the way it's been affected over these last few years. Absolutely. Boy, oh boy, like like, what's the one that came out? Like, I, I'm too close to this, Julian, because I cover Ottawa. What's the one that came out of left field for you more? The Pinto thing last week, or this whole Dadnoff thing resurfacing and then it leading to to Dorian? Wh which is the one you're like, whoa, I didn't see that coming. I mean, both of them for me, like, yeah, I kind of have them on an equal playing field because Pinto, we're still trying, we were still trying to figure out, okay, when is he going to sign? When is he going to be available to play? And then all of a sudden it's like, wait a minute, there's this news popping up and then it ends up being that. And then there's an entire discussion to be had about gambling within the NHL. This Dadnoff situation coming out of nowhere. I first heard about it, like what, over the weekend when I was busy doing heritage classic stuff. And you're like, wasn't this, this wasn't this like two years ago? This was something like that was completely out of sight and out of mind. And all of a sudden it has led to, well, this, maybe this is the answer because at least, I mean, with Pinto, the suspensions doled out, he could come back and we'll figure out what his contract thing is. This, a man is about to lose his job or has already lost his job, has already been relieved of his duties. And now the Ottawa Senators, who, again, this has been an exhausting week because the Pinto stuff was announced like Thursday, right? Like this has been such a while, but more than that, really, if you account for the injuries with Thomas Shabbat being out for a while too, and the bad start, like this is as this is a really wild time for the Ottawa Senators and this start. This is crazy. Oh boy, um, yeah. So anyway, I, I will have rest more after on, this. <laughs> I, yeah, you know, I'll have more on this. Obviously, as the day unfolds, we get a little bit more information. It's timelines, it's things like that we want to get to. Um, so I'm going to step aside from this podcast here in a second. Before I step aside, though, mm -hmm. uh, I did want to weigh in on uh, a big piece of news today. The Washington Capitals announcing that Nick Backstrom, who has been one of the great playmakers of the salary cap era. Like I put him, I probably put Thornton as the number one guy, Julian, on uh, on playmaking in the cap era. But but after that, like to me, it's a short list and Backstrom's on it. Maybe Jason Spetz is there. Maybe Ryan Getzloff is there. But But this guy's there. And yeah. he's stepping away because right now he's just not physically, and it sounds like maybe even mentally in the place where he can play eight games, one point for him so far this season. That's tough for him, man. Uh, you're absolutely right. One of the better setters we have seen over the last decade plus. I think, I mean, I don't want to call it for this guy. I'd be surprised if he plays again, uh, considering the injury issues he's had to deal with over the last little while. Uh, it would be a great shame uh, for him to go out this way. A great career, uh, being able to spend it all with one franchise, able to get a Stanley Cup as a result of it. And look, I get it. You know, a lot of that time being played with 
the greatest goal scorer of, of the current era, as far as I'm concerned, but in his own right, just as a number one center on this team, uh, a fixture for the Washington Capitals. It it sucks to see that he's not 100% healthy and he's not going to be able to contribute to this team going forward. And I'd be really surprised if he's in a situation where he's able to play again. Yeah, it's um, it, it's too bad. Like I said, uh, yeah. I think he, I looked it up today, Julian. Nine seasons in which he had 50 assists, 5-0. That, that, that's remarkable. And oh yeah, boy, you, you look at Washington and you look at that team and you think, hmm, they're a, uh, I mean, they're an older group. And when Nick Backstrom can't go, it's it's the end of an era there. One of the great, great playmaking centers of our time. So um, that that's a huge piece of news. We wanted to get to that. We don't want to make this just about Ottawa because there are other things happening in, in other nations' capitals that are uh, – it's Nation Capital Day. Uh, we're just uh, talking really? about that. That's it. That's it. Yeah, uh, you're not even the provincial capital there in uh, Calgary, so we can't even – No, not even. No. We can't even <laughs> – uh, three hours north. Okay. So, like I said, I got a nutty day ahead of me here uh, with a press conference coming up shortly. So, what we're going to do is Julian's going to stick handle the rest of this pod. I'm going to duck out. Sean McIndoe, Down Goes Brown, is going to join you next. Shana Goldman a little later. So, I'm going to step aside. We'll hear uh, a word from uh, our sponsors. We'll come back. Julian on the other side with Down Goes Brown. Wings for the game. Boom. Cash back. New lucky jersey. Boom. Cash back. Even a last minute ice run can score you some cash back when you use your debit card. And yes, we said debit card. With Discover Cashback Debit, everyone can earn cash back on everyday purchases. Look, in sports, it's hard to predict who's taking the W, but you know what's guaranteed to win? Discover Cashback Debit. Oh, and did I mention there are no fees? Period. I'm telling you, this one is a game changer. Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashback debit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. Did you know that even if you have a 401k for retirement, you can still have an IRA? Robinhood has the only IRA that gives you a 3% boost on every dollar you contribute when you subscribe to Robinhood Gold. But get this, now through April 30th, Robinhood is even boosting every single dollar you transfer in from another retirement account with a 3% match. That's right, no cap on the 3% match. Robinhood Gold gets you the most for your retirement thanks to their IRA with a 3% match. This offer is good through April 30th. Get started at Robinhood.com slash boost. Subscription fees apply. And now for some legal info. Claim as of Q1 2024 validated by Radius Global Market Research. Investing involves risk including loss. Limitations apply to IRAs and 401ks. 3% match requires Robinhood Gold for one year from the date of first 3% match. Must keep Robinhood IRA for five years. The 3% matching on transfers is subject to special terms and conditions. Robinhood IRA available to U.S. customers in good standing. Robinhood Financial LLC member SIPC is a registered broker. Dealer. All right, we are back at it here on the Athletic Hockey Show. Uh, for those of you who are just tuning in and are weirded out about why it's just me and, and no Ian Mendez, uh, Ian Mendez is at the Canadian Tire Center uh, moments away from uh, a press conference involving the Ottawa Senators in which it should be announced that uh, Pierre Dorian, the general manager, will be fired. This comes after uh, the news today uh, the, that the Sens will have to forfeit uh, a first-round pick in either 2024, 2025, or 2026 as a result of their role in the aborted Evgeny Dadanov trade uh, that would have sent him from Vegas to Anaheim. Essentially, 
Vegas felt that uh, they did not get all of the details of a no trade clause, a limited no trade clause when they acquired him from the Ottawa Senators. And now we're in the present day where Pierre Dorian is about to lose his job. And we're already on the timeline. We are seeing people speculate about who could be Pierre Dorian's replacement. I'm sure we will get more details as they come. But we still have a show to do uh, for the Athletic Hockey Show. Uh, down goes Brown. Sean McIndoe should be joining us at any moment. We're going to get his thoughts on uh, the Ottawa Senators and a few other things going on in the NHL. Uh, DGB, what a wild day in your neck of the woods when it comes to the Ottawa Senators. I would love to know your thoughts about how today and really the last week or so has unfolded. If you're a Senators fan, you must be exhausted. Yeah, you you probably are exactly that. First of all, I just want to say I love this thing where like Ian leaves and, and then I immediately show up. Like We're given <laughs> a real pokeroo energy right here, so this is... <laughs> This is good. You're two decades too young to get that reference. It's okay. Yeah, I just laughed a lot because, you know, improv. It's (laughs) yes and. (laughs) Say yes. Yeah, exactly. Boy, is this this has been a rough week for an Ottawa fan base that thought they were done with this stuff. Remember, for a few years now, the Senators have been kind of a sideshow situation. A lot of it was Eugene Melnick. There was there was that awful summer a few years ago where there were just all sorts of controversies and there was the uber and all this other stuff and ownership changing really felt like okay we're gonna settle down we're gonna spend some money we're gonna hire people we're gonna be a professional organization we've got all these young pieces in place certainly a team on the rise it's time to put that all behind us and it seemed like they were and now wow i mean shane pinto now this losing the first round pick uh, before we even get to the the GM change, I, I guess the one thing I will say, if I was a Senators fan, clearly I'm not, but if I was a Senators fan, boy, I would be just so frustrated with the fact that I have seen twice now, in a week, I've seen my team hit with penalties that were close to unprecedented with no details. No details about who did what, That's what true. is the actual punishment happening here, it's just I've got one guy getting suspended for half a year, and now I've got my team losing a first-round pick, which we've seen you know a little bit in the past, but this is something the NHL very rarely does. And in both cases, the message from the NHL is basically, you did something wrong, we're not going to tell you what, you're being punished, shut up and don't ask any more questions, because we have no further comment. And that's not good enough for this fan base. I, I mean, I I would hope that there's more information to come um on on this uh, this draft pick situation maybe we get it at this press conference um but i think the fan base is owed an explanation of what is going on here and why are we being so harshly punished when we can all think of cases where other things have gone on that the punishment was not as harsh um it may be perfectly justified it could be but you got to tell the fans why you can't just say we're taking away your first round pick and we'll have no further comment not good enough they, they, they're owed something more than that. At the very least, uh, the opportunity for them to make some kind of explanation should be coming, what, in the next 20 minutes or so as the press conference, you see it on the screen there if you're watching it live, up here, Dorian uh, being fired as the general manager of the Ottawa Senators in a press conference at 3.15 Eastern. One other point I'm thinking about as well uh, that Ian brought up just before you got in here, the idea that maybe the senators could find a way to negotiate this punishment down just based off of precedent with 
a, a, situ- a situation that involved uh, Ilya Kovalchuk and the contract that he signed and, and the New Jersey Devils from a couple of years ago where they were able to turn away their punishment to something lesser. The fact that there is that that precedent, what do you think of the idea that the Senators could also do this? Because Michael Anlauer is inserting himself into a situation as the new owner, and he doesn't have anything to do with what happened with Pierre Dorian. And in fact, he did get him, get rid of the dude who was responsible for this. Any decently well-run league would never have that happen. They would never announce a punishment and then revoke it shortly after. Now, luckily for Ottawa Senators fans, this is the NHL we're talking about. So yeah, they've already done this once before. I'd absolutely be open to, uh, uh, you, you know, not not necessarily saying that this should happen, but yeah, you can't rule it out. Absolutely. I mean, we we all, we saw it with the Devils. I think a lot of us felt like the fix was in on that one, especially remember shortly after the, the Devils were in a similar situation of having to decide when they were going to lose their first round pick. They made it to the yes. final unexpectedly and did not offer up their pick, even though it was essentially as low as it could ever be. Um, and at that point, I think a lot of people went, okay, we, we know where this is going to go. And uh, sure enough, Lou Lamorello, um, you know, got, got the punishment lessened. Um, now, it didn't happen with the Coyotes, uh, which is the other team that you can point to as an example here, where you know they, were, they got in trouble for uh, things involving the draft combine. Um, yeah, legal workouts. And, uh, you know, we, we didn't see it there. So, you know, you'll see again, if I'm a Senators fan and you're not going to give me any other information about what happened, I'm absolutely going to be screaming, you know, well, why are we getting punished like this? The devils were able to eventually, you know, have it overturned. Why can't we, um, you know, I, I know I've seen people say that they're surprised at the, this level of punishment, given that it was new ownership, they thought maybe that would, you know, get you a bit of a clean slate. I, I don't know. Again, it shouldn't work that way, but absent other information, and again, you know, as, as early as 15 minutes from now, maybe this whole conversation feels obsolete because maybe the senators sit down and say, look, here's exactly what happened. This is why we felt the need to make a change. This is the agreed upon set of facts. Okay. Then, you know, then people can make their minds up. Um, until then, yeah, guess what? If you're the NHL, you've got some some furious uh, uh, fans, and rightly so. You brought this on yourself. Absolutely. As this podcast goes on, we will continue to bring up the Ottawa Senators. We'll have Shayna Goldman in the next hour, and we'll get her thoughts on that too. We're going to try to get to some other stuff with you, DGB, particularly with players off to rough starts. We've talked about teams who have not been having a good time to start the year. We, we just spent the last few minutes talking about one that's going through a very terrible time right now. But what about individual players? Guys like Stuart Skinner, uh, not off to a great start right now. A, a, a save percentage at 863 and a GAA of 351, as an example. Or, or Devin Levi in, in Buffalo. Or Eric Carlson in, in, in Pittsburgh. We had Josh Yoey on earlier in the week, and we were talking about how the Pittsburgh Penguins and the power play in particular has not been good. Uh, what are some players and some names that have stood out to you in, in terms of uh, the fact that they've started off the season terrifyingly slow? Yeah, ter- I, first of all, I've been saying scary, and then yeah, I think it was the headline got you know they 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 started talking terrifying. I, I don't maybe I'll pump the brakes a little bit on that, but this is my <laughs> you know a column I do every now and then this time of year. The scary starts right? It's Halloween. We've all got to uh, get our little topical hooks into that. Uh, you know who's who's scaring you a little bit? And yeah, the the, the names you mentioned, the one that was a little interesting was was Eric Carlson because obviously he comes in with big expectations and, and a really big. Uh, big paycheck too. I think a lot of people forget he's still the number two highest paid defenseman in the league 
even factoring in the retained salary with San Jose, he's still costing Pittsburgh more than any other defenseman in the league is costing anyone other than Drew Doughty in LA. Um, and it's kind of funny because uh, whenever I write this, uh, I, I, I write the column the day of Halloween, uh, the day before get it all, get, get it all, you know, as, as you know, the whole drill, we get it into the, into the system and ready to go for yeah. the next day. And then because I've said, these guys are off the bad starts. I sit back and watch hockey that night, knowing these guys are going to, you know, there's this guy's going to get a hat trick. This guy's going to get his first goal and, and all of this stuff. And sure enough, you know, right away in that Pittsburgh game uh, on on Monday night, I you know I get a message from the editor saying, "Well, Eric Carlson just scored. What do we do now? Do we have to take him <laughs> out?" You know, I thought, "Well, let's wait and see. Maybe I'm not feeling so good about that pick." And then we get the giveaway at the end, the five on three, that absolute disaster. I mean, look, there there are teams. I I mention every team in the piece. I do one guy per team because I want everyone to feel included. Um, and I can tell you, some teams are tougher than others, and there are some teams where the, the challenge is, how do I narrow this down? And Pittsburgh would be one of them because they're off to a, you know, a terrible start uh, where you're just sitting there going, you know, what do I, what do, I do here? You look at San Jose. There's, I mean, there's not a player on San Jose having a decent start right now. So, you, you, know, you go down that list. And, and a few others, including the Calgary Flames, is another team oh, where yeah. I, you know, I heard from a lot of fans saying, it's not that I disagree with who you did pick, but what about this guy or this guy or this guy? And, oh, and you yeah. It, it, I've, I've written about it, too. A lot of fans in that market, very impatient, especially with the higher end, at least in terms of money, uh, those type of players. One last one for you, DGB, before we let you go here. Um, really interesting moment that happened on Monday Night Football earlier this week. A uh, non-call occurring in a game, I, th- I believe involving uh, Jared Dolph. Jared Dolph, excuse me and uh, a play that should have been called for intentional grounding, but wasn't. And then the league's vice president of officiating joins the broadcast to describe why the call was 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 done, which has drawn a little bit of criticism. I would love to know your thoughts on that. And could you imagine the NHL doing something similar? Like we have the the refs, the former refs uh, in, on some of the yeah. broadcasts, but like what if it got to a point where you have the equivalent in the NHL on the, on those broadcasts. Well, so here's the thing. Yeah, you're right. It was, it was one of those calls. It was a, you know, a controversial call or slash non-call. It wasn't really obvious one way or another, but the NFL famously has these former officials that are, are ready to jump on the broadcast. And in this case, he said, you know, I think they, I think the refs got it wrong, which he does say sometimes, which is why the segments have credibility. And a few minutes later, you had the VP of, uh, uh, officiating, from the NFL joining the broadcast live and saying, okay, well, here's what we saw and here's why we think it was the right call. Now, you know, to me as a viewer, that's helpful because I'm, you know, I'm seeing both sides. I'm at least understanding the logic of it. And the joke is, could you ever imagine the NHL doing that? This is the NHL where constantly it's just, we have the best officials in the world and nobody ever asks any questions or answers any questions. And we're just constantly told, no, we got it right. And there's, there doesn't seem to ever be any accountability. Now, here's where I'm going to blow your mind. The NHL has done this in the past. The NHL used to do this back in the 90s, um, which, you know, again, forever ago, maybe. But Brian Lewis at the time was the, I want to say, director of officiating was the title. And he would go on Hockey Night in Canada. He would go on these broadcasts when there was a controversial call and try to explain the league's side of things. There, he, He famously went on after the Kerry Fraser Missed high stick on Doug Gilmore, which you may have heard of once or twice if you ever talked to a Leaf fan. Um, yeah. He came on during the intermission on, on game seven, the next game, and said 
here's, you know, and he actually even said, yeah, we got it wrong. We missed it. And we're sick about it. But here's how that happened. Really did kind of help you. And uh, same thing in the later in the 90s with the Brett Hull skate in the crease. They had him there. He was he, he went on the broadcast and said, here is our side of things. And, you know, do people buy it? Not necessarily, but it helps. It is a far better system than having the current one where we just it, the only answer to the question is our officials are the best in the world. They never make any mistakes and nobody buys it at all. Nobody believes it for a second. DGB, that's all the time we have with you, man. Hey, man, can uh, I just say real quick? Day. Yeah, go ahead. Nice job on the wardrobe by us, eh? Like, look at this. Yeah, I, I to say. Yeah, come on. Completely not planned. Do you have I didn't laces? even send Mine you the text leases. this morning. Yeah. Yeah, seriously. Yeah. So, yeah, good job by us, man. We got an official uniform <laughs> and uh, let, let Mendez know whenever he gets back. Yeah, we need to find a way to ensure that the next time all three of us are on screen together, we will all wear the same corresponding uh, athletic uh, hoodie. DGB will be on the lookout for his weekend rankings as per usual. We'll have you on back next week to talk about more NHL nonsense, as I'm sure we are due for some. Thanks so much, dude. Thanks. Sean McIndoo, uh, there he goes. Uh, for those wondering again, those tuning in, uh, wondering why it's just me, Ian Mendez is at Canadian Tire Center in Ottawa moments away from a press conference where it should be formally announced that uh, Ottawa Senators General Manager Pierre Dorian will lose his job as GM in light of the Evgeny Dadanov debacle uh, that has led to the Ottawa Senators losing their first round pick. They will have to forfeit it in either 2024, 2025, or 2026. I understand for people who are going to listen to this on the podcast after, it's going to be very funny to hear this repeated over and over. Uh, but since we are live on YouTube, it's very important that we repeat this. And uh, for the next few moments, we're going to be joined by Shayna Goldman uh, to uh, talk about some a variety of other NHL topics. But I need to get your opinion on uh, what is going on with the Ottawa Senators. You don't have to limit yourself with just the Dadanov debacle. It has been quite a week for that franchise. I mean, it's really funny the things the NHL does and doesn't remember, right? Like how often the NHL is like, let's hold on to this situation, and actually do something about it versus let's not and pretend it doesn't exist. So this was one of those things. And I, I almost wonder if ownership, like it felt like when they came in, they were going to change management anyway, because that tends to happen. And I think with the senators a year ago, it was, you know, hot Dorian summer and he was doing all of the work. And then now you look at it and you think, there's a reason to make a change, right? The coaching could use a change as well. There could definitely be a refresh. So is this an excuse to do it? I don't know. But like when you completely screw up a situation like this, it does feel like it might be the right course of action. If Pierre Dorian had this perfect track record to this point, it would be a different story. And there's definitely been some good. The Jake Sanderson contract, the Tim Stutzla contract, the Chickburn trade, the Claude Drew acquisition, like there's been some good, but there's also been some bad. Like the big bet on Corpus Allo is, you know, up in the air and, you know, there's definitely been some issues on the back end still that haven't been worked out. Yeah, I, 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 you bring up a really good point with the fact that Pierre Dorian was on the hot seat to start this season. This is not a situation where the team has to move on from a general manager who had this sterling track record, who was the best general manager this team has ever had. And it's this dilemma in the front office about who do you want to bring in? As a replacement, if Pierre Dorian and the Ottawa Senators were not off to a good start and maybe around like American Thanksgiving or January, or I don't know, it, it's easy for the Ottawa Senators to say, you know what, we're getting him out of here. We're getting someone else to take over. In this case here, we're November 1st. You know, we're, we're a month into the NHL season and we are already at this point. I'm really fascinated about who could replace him. I don't know if you I don't know if you've seen the timeline about people wondering about who could replace him as general manager. 
I remember, remember, remember Peter Shirelli. Remember, remember him. <laughs> remember his time as GM. I've seen that name floated around. It's, it's amazing. It's amazing how much you can fall on your face in the NHL and just be handed another opportunity. Yeah, I don't exactly. think that's. I don't think that's going to happen here. I feel like we're going to get a fresh name. Like a, who is it? Like Steos's name keeps like. Steve Steos's name is popped yeah, up that, a lot. Yeah, that one. It definitely makes sense, right? Like it. It definitely would be a, a fresh face to the NHL. So I would be. I would be okay with that. I think that he could bring. It seemed like in the, where's he? The OHL before this, like he had a pretty innovative approach. So why not? Yeah, and he has that history with uh, the new ownership in, in Michael Landlauer as well. So I wouldn't be surprised if it ends up being that. But, uh, hey, we'll be on the lookout over the next few minutes uh, as we start to get uh, some details from that press conference in Ottawa. But let's look at some other teams uh, and their starts uh, for, for the month of October. Uh, I would love to know what you've learned from just kind of perusing around <laughs> the league and, and looking at teams who particularly have started off not so great uh, and, and other things you might have learned uh, through the first month of the season. I know. I think the entire vibe check was accidentally negative. That was not the intention, but sometimes it's easier to talk about the bad than the good, especially in the early goings, because with everything we're going, well, it's a small sample, but it's a small sample, but this could change. But I feel like the negative is a little bit easier to pinpoint because it's how can they improve from here? Not Vegas Golden Knights are stomping all over everybody. What do we need to know? We know their championship caliber. So for this, you know, you look at a team like the Penguins, right? They're a very uh, big topic of discussion right now because they had a big offseason. It's the Kyle Dubas show. You have Eric Carlson coming into the fold, and they're falling flat on their face. They lost to the Ducks. They, got, they you know, they, they really just haven't had a strong start, and they're towards the bottom of the Eastern Conference standings, which doesn't mean much, much right now. It's, you know, you can't lose a playoff spot right now. You can dig yourselves a hole, and it feels like that's what they're doing when this is a team that has a lot on these next couple of seasons. So the pressure is up there. Um, what's the answer? You know, that's going to be the big question. What What is the answer? How do you get bottom six scoring? Your fourth line has zero goals for you. have four goals combined at five on five between your bottom six. You don't want to break up your top six. That's obviously clicking. How do you make it work with Carlson? They haven't figured that out yet. How do you get the power play going when you have all this talent on it? There's a million questions to ask. And, you know, a lot of it falls on the players, especially those outside the top six who aren't making things work. And a lot a lot of it falls on the coaches too, right? How do you adjust to what this team looks like now versus what this team looked like at his peak of the Mike Sullivan era? Todd Reardon coming in. What has he done to, you know, help this defense and help this team move forward? I think that there's a lot of big questions in Pittsburgh and, you know, they should start scrambling to figure out answers because it's not the most encouraging start from them, you know, above or below the surface. Just stunned to see that Pittsburgh's power play, which we all hyped up in the offseason, is off to a really bad start. But I'd like to talk about another team that's actually, they were off to a really good start with their power play. And, and now we're at a point where they're cooling off a little bit, but they're still in the top five of the Detroit Red Wings and, and their start. What have you made of that team? Well, their <laughs> collapse the last couple of games did stop me and Max from writing about them because we were questioning, you know, are the Red Wings for real? And the two of us were discussing it and going, well, there's a lot of reason why they're not for real. You look below the surface, you know, the top line is killing it. Uh, the switch to Luke Sherman on the top line has been perfect. Larkin and Dubrincat are the perfect pairing together. We've seen Larkin pick up his playmaking in recent years, and that's perfect pair alongside Alex Dubrincat. But below that, you see the production from that second line. The numbers below the surface don't back it up at all. So you look at it and go, well, that's probably unsustainable. You know, they're running 11 forwards and seven defensemen, and it seems to be working for them based on the roster that they have right now with the Fabry injury. But you know, pretty much every element of their game, except for goaltending, had sustainability concerns. The power play was creating a lot off the rush or off the draw. But when they are really in formation and going against penalty kills in formation, they're struggling. You can see 
you know, Larkin and Debrinkat doing the most to make it work, but they're running with this five, uh, three forward, two defenseman unit, which generally we're seeing in recent years trend down, you know, in terms of expected and actual goals. And here's a team going in with it because of the roster they have and having Shane Gothisbeer on the power play makes all the sense in the world. But the fact that, you know, they're coming back down to earth, which was going to happen when you shoot and score at, you know, 50%. Uh, it, it makes sense that it did, but the fact that it's crashed down the way it did the last couple games, you have to wonder maybe if they should move a defenseman off, maybe move someone like Sider off, whose job is really just holding the blue line and putting Gustafsbeer there instead, and then you put Raymond up, so you have four forwards. Like, is that the approach that they need? So right now it's all going to be about adjustments because it feels like the momentum from the power play was such a game a game changer for them. Alex Dabrinkit, as of right now, leads the league in goals. He's tied with one other player. Without looking, do you know who that player is? Frank Vitrano, nine goals. Oh, right. You got it. That was <laughs> that was just no hesitation. I literally just wrote about Frank Vitrano. I did some <laughs> of like the top duos in the league. Like I stopped writing it to do this. So Vitrano and McTavish were up there, and so were Debrinkat and Larkin. Dang it. Okay. I was hoping for a fun <laughs> guessing game with that. Uh, what about some other players who are doing really well, like Austin Matthews, seven goals to start off this year. Uh, what, have you, what have you made of how he's been shooting the puck and where he's been shooting the puck this year? Well, it's interesting because it comes into the league, it comes into the season with back-to-back hat tricks. So you're thinking he's back that down year by his standards last year, which was not a down year at all, just by his super lofty standards. Um, he didn't hit one goal since then, for, you know, since the first two games. But it's not for a lack of trying. It's interesting to see that his average shot location, his average shot distance is around 20 feet, which is closer than years past. It was 27 feet around, you know, the last two years. And right now it's the highest that it's ever been. But obviously it's only a couple games. So we could see that easily get weighted down as the season goes on. But it's going to be interesting to see, like, is it that he's shooting too close to the net? Because right now, like, he's not actually converting um, those attempts into shots on goal as much as he has before it's super close it's like 67 percent versus 70 percent. so it's really not that big of a deal but sometimes when a player does make a change like this you have to wonder like are you shooting too close maybe like are you getting in a little bit too tight for how his shot tends to be the most effective that might not be the case are you gripping the stick too tight when you know you only have one goal since the first two games of the season like there's definitely a lot of pressure in toronto so it's going to be interesting to see how it works out or if this is where we expect him to see this is the adjustment he made to be better than last year but as it stands right now, you know, he has all the dangerous shots in the world. And we know he's one of the most versatile and effective goal scorers. So we'll see how it works out. Yeah. Uh, two more before we let you go here, Shana. What about uh, Minnesota and and Edmonton and some other teams who have been allowing a lot of goals? I know last week, uh, Fluto Shinzawa and I, we did a piece on, on teams who have transitioned from man-to-man defense to zone. And Edmonton's at least one of those teams that have done that. And it hasn't really worked out for them to start. I know their defense has always been in question with them, but uh, they have allowed 32 goals to this point in the year. They're still in the top 10 of goals allowed. Calgary actually has allowed one more. They also transition to zone defense. Seattle, San Jose, Carolina. I'm stunned about this. Minnesota tied for the most amount of goals allowed with Carolina. That's a team that we consider to be among the best defensive teams, at least we did last year. But now we're at this point where they're they're on the opposite end. What have you made of that? Well, Carolina, I think a lot of it is goaltending based with the Frederick Anderson injury. I think that was the biggest problem and it was less the uh, defensive efforts. They were going to be in the vibe check and then Anderson came back and they seem to have cleaned it up a little bit. And also like they're not going against the worst team. So it was a, a little tricky. But we're seeing with other teams like Minnesota, it's part of its defense, right? They're allowing more shots against, more quality chances against, and they're allowing more goals against. And the loss of Jared Spurgeon is super clear 
at even strength and on the penalty kill. That's something I know Joe Smith and I are working on after this uh, to kind of see what's breaking down on the penalty kill because it obviously is, you know, different than it was last year. And it, they're going a little aggressive right now. And I think it's burning them. Some teams are built for that, like the Canes. Not all teams are. It depends on the personnel. And, you know, sometimes it takes time to wrinkle out any changes when you tweak your penalty kill. But a team like the Oilers changing their systems, it's really tricky because the roster didn't change that much from where they left off last season on, on the blue line. So to change these, you know, because they got beat by Vegas, right? You know, we see it. It's a copycat league. And if you can't beat them, you want to join them. And that's what it feels like the Oilers are doing there with the Golden Knights, which makes sense because the Golden Knights were so successful, but the teams are so differently built. So it's kind of interesting that they're focusing more on protecting the middle instead of getting the puck out as quickly as possible and let the forwards work their magic that, you know, worked so well for them before. But because they kind of fell apart in the playoffs, it does make sense why, you know, they'd want to be a stronger team defensively to kind of stack up. It's always been a weakness. And the challenge for them is that their goaltending isn't great. So that unreliable goaltending might have forced the conversation even more. What really hurts, though, is that their goaltending has absolutely fallen apart behind the defense. You know, no, they have no support, but you need it that they can respond a little better to their workload. And it feels like they've just been absolutely positively struggling to do that right now. You see, I think uh, as of Sunday night, as of Monday night, I'm sorry, uh, they only had one quality start on the season. And that was a game against Nashville that Jack Campbell had. Otherwise, it's been a mess from everybody. Yeah, it's just not looking good. Uh, in the uh, Albertan provincial capital, and also in the uh, the city to the south of them as well, and for other teams up on that list. One last one for you, Shayna. Uh, the NHL putting out uh, about an hour ago the three stars for the month of October: Jack Hughes, Elias Patterson, David Pasternak. Uh, for the way that they went about the first <laughs> month of the NHL season, uh, love to know your thoughts on if the NHL got that right and who you feel uh, should be in that conversation for uh, off to being on a great start. Uh, your first three stars uh, for the first month of the season. So I did have David Pashnak in contention. He's been killing it in the fact that he's that last bit of star power up front, it feels like, for Boston right now, considering some of the subtractions. It's all the more important. What underwhelmed me is that the Bruins have had the easiest schedule to date so far. So I kind of took off points for that. Um, Pedersen definitely could have been up there. I thought about him and Quinn Hughes as well. But for me, I went with Leon Dreisaitl, who has been scoring a ton, as we all know he does. But more importantly, his play below the surface has been a topic of conversation for years because defensively, he's not the best. And offensively, sometimes he doesn't drive his own line. And yes, he's been with McDavid. I think it's like 45% of his five on five minutes this year, which is, you know, a good amount. But it does seem like in his minutes, uh, you see the Oilers offense is as dangerous as ever. So I gave a lot of credit to that. Jack Hughes, obviously, star of the month, leader in points right now, absolutely killing it for the Devils. I didn't have him higher, though, because the five on five numbers have slipped a bit defensively. It's not just a matter of the team's on ice shooting percentage being like 5% at five on five like it was. And it's a lot of power play influence, which is important for the Devils. It's been, you know, an area before where they've struggled, but it just feels like, you know, it's it's a little too much for me right now. But the second star was Alex Brinkett because he's just been fantastic. And, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, for him, I think there was a lot of pressure on him to show that he could bounce back this year, that he could be that superstar. And he has been exactly that. Yes, a lot of it's the power play. But I like this five on five numbers below the surface as well. You really see, you know, the damage that him and Larkin are doing. And that put Larkin right in the conversation, too. You know, it was it's tough this month. You have guys like Quinn Hughes were making the case at that point. He hadn't been on the ice for a five-on-five goal against with Philip Peronic. He hadn't until last night when two were scored against by the Predators. So 
There were a lot of good contenders this month, but I, I like my picks over the NHL. I like, just a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I like the idea of us having uh, Shayna's three stars of the month uh, and having the reasonings behind all of that. Always appreciate it whenever we're able to kick it, especially on these podcasts. Uh, you've got a lot of work to do, so we'll let you get back to it. <laughs> Shayna Goldman from The Athletic. Thank you so much for hanging out. Thank you. There she goes. Shayna Goldman from The Athletic. We'll get back to the podcast in a second, but first a word from our friends at Grammarly. And look, we are professional writers by trade, so we know that communication is the key. And maybe you're not a professional writer, but Grammarly can make you more confident in your writing and make you a little bit more efficient and help you work day to day at your job. Grammarly is your AI writing partner to help you communicate more effectively and efficiently so you can have that bigger impact at your place of work. Think about this, 96% of Grammarly users report that Grammarly helps them craft more impactful writing. That's a pretty good stat. Grammarly works across 500,000 apps and websites, and by understanding your writing and your context, Grammarly provides relevant, personalized suggestions tailor-made for you. Their tone suggestions, they'll even help you navigate even through the most difficult conversations at work. You can save time with one click, go from editing drafts in hours to seconds. Talking about stats, 93% of professionals using Grammarly Premium report that it helps them get more work done. Sign up and download for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's Grammarly, G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Uh, and with that, we are into the final stretch of the Athletic Hockey Show for this Wednesday. Uh, the press conference with uh, Pierre Dorian and the Ottawa Senators should be underway any second now. And that is exactly where uh, Ian Mendez is right now. Uh, normally, whenever Ian can't make these shows, I try to do like a fun little joke about why he can't be here. Like, oh, you know, he, he's tapped out from watching too much hockey or he's stuck in an air balloon or anything like that. But today, there's a very there's a very legit reason why uh, Ian Mendez is not here and why I have to finish the show. Uh, and with that, let's let's get to these final uh, topics here. Uh, Paul Statsny. Uh, normally, what we do uh, on the other show that I, one of the other shows I do, the CJ show uh, on Thursdays, we have a thing called Stick Taps, where you know we just show some love to somebody who uh, you know did their thing in the hockey world, or they don't even have to be from the hockey world. And uh, I guess one person deserving of a stick tap this week is uh, Paul Statsny, uh, who announces his retirement after uh, over uh, 1,100 uh, career regular season games, 822 points, uh, 17 NHL seasons for Paul Statsny. Uh, spent some time over some different with some different teams across the league: Winnipeg, St. Louis, Colorado, Carolina. Uh, I don't have the full list in front of me, but he's been around, and he's he's very much uh, been a hockey lifer. Obviously, you go back to. The, the the history with his family as well, uh, playing for the Nordiques uh, with all the the brothers, uh, and and now to this point with Paul, 
not playing in the league anymore. It's a very well good career for Paul and uh, all the best to him as he pursues other interests. And uh, if you haven't done so already yesterday, uh, Pierre Lebrun caught up with Paul Stasny and uh, wrote a really great article for the athletic there. So after 17 seasons of uh, Paul Stasny retiring from the national hockey league, uh, one other story uh, we'd like to get to uh, the Calgary flames. Uh, for those who don't know, I, I cover the team uh, in that market for the athletic. It looked as if uh, they were close uh, to signing Noah Hannafin uh, to a contract extension contract. Seemed the, the discussions were progressing in a sense that was announced about a week or two ago. It felt like a world ago since that has been announced. And now we've reached a point, uh, according to reports, where contract negotiations and extensions have been put on hold. Obviously, the uh, Hannafin deal up in the air. Elias Lindholm also up in the air. This team's trying to figure itself out. They are in the midst of a five-game losing streak. They have the Dallas Stars tonight, uh, and they're looking to do everything they can to avoid it going to six. But if they're at a point where this team continues to uh, <laughs> not play well, especially by American Thanksgiving or by Christmas or by the trade deadline, Craig Conroy is going to have to put himself in a position where he's going to have to move on from those assets and signing those guys before uh, any of those of those pressure points I mentioned, that might not be the right decision to make. Uh, there's definitely an article to be written about what's next for this team, and hopefully they'll be able to do that. But right now, if you're the Calgary Flames, if you're, if you're, if you're Craig Conroy, the general manager of the team, you're going to have to continue that wait-and-see approach that you've been doing since the summer with these players. It doesn't make sense to make any type of rash move now about their futures. And I also wonder for the players themselves if they feel compelled to do that. I mean, if you're off to the start that you're at, uh, just looking at the standings right here, it should be near the bottom of the league uh, in, in terms of, of points right now. There they are. Only five points accumulated to this point. The only other team with a worse record with fewer points, the San Jose Sharks. And that team has yet to win a game all season at with an 0-8-1 record. Like that is, jeez, I wouldn't want to be the San Jose Sharks. Uh, one last one here. We'll just you know recap the big news of the day with the Ottawa Senators here. Uh, Pierre Dorian gone as general manager. Uh, that press conference should have started uh, at any point now. Uh, there seems to be some quotes that are surfacing uh, online. It looks as if Steve Steos has been named interim general manager. Um, that seems to be the big thing right now. Uh, some quotes kind of floating around. Michael Landlauer, I always talk about accountability. I'm just reading this off of Chris Johnston's Twitter. He adds that losing a first-round pick is a stiff penalty for the Sens stemming from the Dadanoff issue, but acknowledges that the organization was at fault. Uh, and uh, another quote here, just again, just going through the timeline, trying to get as much as I can for everyone here. Uh, one quote going around, I am looking forward to less phone calls from the NHL. Uh, some of the issues that we have could have been avoided. That's another quote that's going around. Uh, the big thing for people to know right now is that Steve Steos is the interim general manager uh, in place of, of Pierre Dorian, who has been relieved of his duties as of today in light of the Evgeny Dadanov debacle. And again, I, I've said it a couple times on today's episode, uh, uh, very embarrassing for this team to handle. There will be more details that will come out. Ian Mendez, I'm sure, will have a column to follow in light of today's news. Uh, but at this point, we're pretty much at the end of today's show. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in and uh, bearing with us as we've 
gone through the transition of, of having Ian Mendez start the show and then leave part way through. Special thank you to Down Goes Brown and Shayna Goldman for tapping in as well. If you have any questions or any thoughts on the show, please uh, shoot us an email at the athletic hockey show at gmail.com. You can also leave us voice messages. We have a phone number, uh, 845-445-8459, and you can leave us a voice message. And hey, maybe we can get to it on a future episode of this show. Uh, if you are not, if you have not done so already, follow us on YouTube, youtube.com slash at the athletic hockey show. And uh, no matter where you're listening to us, uh, whether on Spotify or Apple, please just leave us a five-star rating if you can. Just leave some kind of rating, some kind of review. We would really, really appreciate it. Tomorrow's show, hopefully less tumultuous than today's show. Uh, Haley Salvia, Max Boltman, and Sean Gentili will take over uh, for the Thursday edition of our show. In the meantime, time for us to get on out of here. We'll be back, uh, Ian and myself, back on Monday uh, as we normally do here back on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday for the Athletic Hockey Show. Thank you so much for tuning in, and uh, we'll talk to you all next week. Peace. Hey, baseball fans, this is Derek Van Riper. Now that spring training games are underway, opening day is just a few weeks away. Eno Saris and I have been getting ready for the season all winter on Rates and Barrels. Whether you're a seasoned fantasy player, a baseball stats junkie, or just someone who wants to learn more about the game, join us for four episodes each week this season, including our new Friday live stream with former big leaguer Trevor May. Check out the live stream on Fridays at 1 o'clock Eastern on the Rates and Barrels YouTube channel, or listen to the show wherever you enjoy your podcasts, including the ad-free option on the Athletic app.